welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with part one of this message entitled, Acceptable Worship and a Dreadful Warning. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Acceptable worship and a dreadful warning. I'll speak to you on worship on Mount Sinai, worship on Mount Zion, and a warning to us worshipers. A dreadful warning, sir. Pay attention. God speaks from heaven through his minister called and appointed. Pay attention. The living God speaks to his people. And we are told he speaks to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness. That we do his will delightfully and fully. And Jesus said, my sheep shall hear my voice. In Hebrews 12, 18 through 29, the author gives his final dreadful warning to the Hebrews who are tempted to become apostates, to turn their back on Jesus, to turn to Moses, that they may live a comfortable life without persecutions. They were tempted to live like everybody else, a more normal life. They were becoming tired of pursuing peace with all men and holiness without which no one shall see God. They were in danger of becoming like Esau, despising the rights of the firstborn. For a cup of soup. They were tempted to give up the Christian race altogether. And forget about Jesus. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And sat down at the right hand of God. Are you tired? Are you become weary and tempted? By the world? To give up pursuit of holiness for the pursuit of worldly happiness. Then let us pay close attention this morning to the voice of God. Let us hear about the worship at Sinai, Mount Sinai, pure dread. And then worship in Mount Zion, pure joy. And then we pay heed to the dreadful warning. Mount Sinai. The Hebrews wanted to go back to Judaism. 
the old covenant. They wanted to go back to Mount Sinai where God gave them the Ten Commandments. They want to turn their back on the better covenant, the new covenant, the eternal covenant whose mediator and guarantor was Jesus. They were tempted to go back to the obsolete and aging and disappearing. They want to go back to the self-righteousness of the supposed keeping of the law concerning which Saul of Tarsus said concerning the righteousness of the law perfect until God in Christ apprehended him and opened his eyes I was reading some confession from people in this church and the Holy Spirit said that's no confession That is self-justification. That is self-righteousness. And then I was reading another. And said that's real confession. Real repentance. Mount Sinai is designed to terrify the sinner. Frighten them. It points to the infinite holiness of the living God. And the infinite sinfulness of the sons of Adam. The mountain is all holy. It is quaking. It is burning with fire. There is volcanic eruption. There is darkness. There is gloom. There is fiery storm. There is the warning of trumpet blast. There is the piercing noise of words. God's words. Mount Sinai says, stay away, you sinners. Don't come here. You or your animal, don't come here. Don't touch the holy mountain, lest you die. If an animal touch the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Stay away. I'm holy. You are not holy. There were holy angels on the mountain but no people come and die not come and live who can keep the ten commandments even Moses the mediator was frightened he was full of fear and trembling how can this Moses help us He himself is a sinner. He needs a savior. Sinai, friends, is a mountain of judgment. Not justification. Stand off and cry, unclean, unclean. He who comes to Mount Sinai is under the law. He is under a curse. St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 Sinai stands for the ministry of condemnation and death there is no comfort for sinners on Mount Sinai there is no joy or peace or rest here 
Israel who came and stood at the foot of Sinai cried out in terror. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 5. Beginning with verse 24. And you said the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty. And we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live. Even if God speaks with him. But now why should we die? This great fire will consume us. And we will die if we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer. For what mortal man has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire? As we have and survive. Dreadful. Frightening. What did Isaiah say? When he saw the thrice holy God high and lifted up. Woe to me, I cried out. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, for I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Guilt, sir, sin, causes people to tremble and fear. There has to be some way to rid forever human guilt. That we may approach God. Turn with me to Psalm 90. And let me read to you from verse 7. We are consumed by your anger. Terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. I ask you, do you want to go back to Judaism? There is no access for you to God. Israel stayed far away from the Holy of Holies. The priests also stood far away. Only the high priest approached the Holy of Holies behind the thick veil. Once a year and only with blood. Do you want to go back to the law? To the ministry of condemnation and death. And Paul says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather through the law we become conscious of sin. Romans 4.15 The law brings wrath. Romans 5.20 Law was added so that trespass might increase. 1 Corinthians 15.56 The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Mount Sinai says no admission. Go away. There is no salvation on Mount Sinai. There is no righteousness, peace, and joy on Mount Sinai. For that, 
one needs to go to Mount Zion. Not Mount Zion of Jerusalem. Not a geographical, physical place where the temple was. We are talking about a heavenly Mount Zion. So let's look at worship at Mount Zion. Verse 22 through 24. Which speaks about seven blessings for the worshiper. Compared to seven dreadful things on Mount Sinai. Mount Zion stands for the gospel. It stands for grace. It is Jerusalem that is above as Paul calls it. It is a city of the living God. It is the spiritual heavenly Jerusalem. To which Jesus Christ ascended. And where he is seated. On the right hand of the throne of God. And the writer tells us. We are not come. To Mount Sinai. Let's praise God. We are not come there sir. But we have come. By faith. To Mount Zion. By faith in Jesus Christ. And the Greek text tells us by faith we have come permanently to the city of the living God. We shall never go back to the mountain of death. If you go back to Judaism, that means you never came to Mount Zion. And your name is not written in heaven. No man who is born of God will go back. Saint John tells us they went out from us because they were not of us. No child of God will become apostate. Because God will keep him faithful to God. But let me tell you, God of Mount Zion is still infinitely holy. There is no difference between God of Sinai and God of Mount Zion. He is not our body. He is still infinitely holy. There is no difference in him, but he brought a change in us. And here we have a fit mediator who has solved our sin problem forever. By the grace of God, he tasted death for every believer. By his death, he destroyed the devil and our death. He made atonement for our sins. We belong to the new covenant of which Jesus is the mediator. And in this new covenant, we have a new nature. We are new creation, sir. And we have a new relationship with God triune. And finally, our sins, all of them forgiven and forgotten. We are holy and so we enjoy communion with the holy God. This God welcomes us. Unlike Mount Sinai, Mount Zion invites us come to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. 
Mount Zion is the mountain of grace, mountain of life and peace and righteousness and joy. Come, come, come to the heavenly feast. The spirit and bride say come. And let him who hears say come. Whoever is thirsty let him come. Whoever wishes let him take the free gift of the water of life. Come, draw near. Approach. There is unrestricted access to Mount Zion that is about. Come as royal priests to worship God. Come with confidence. Come with conscience sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus. And so let me read to you from chapter 4 of Hebrews verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Or chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Or chapter 10 beginning with verse 19, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that is heavenly Zion, by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Come, come, draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with water and so on. And here we are told we have come to Mount Zion the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem so we have come and we have come forever sir the Greek text says never to go back to the terror of Mount Sinai and we have come cleansed forgiven clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ our guarantor and mediator we have come to the city where God dwells. Abraham looked forward to it. A city with foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. An indestructible city. A sinless city. A harmonious society. Where God dwells with holy people. And holy angels. We have come to it by faith. As the earthly Zion was the meeting point. For the tribes of Israel. So the heavenly Zion is the meeting point. For the new Israel of God. Yes. All the people of God. Turn to the book of Revelation chapter 14. Verse 1. Then I looked and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. 
And we are told in Matthew 18, 20, if two or three are gathered together in, in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That's right here. God in the midst. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 5. And verse 4, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present. That's what happens when people of God come together. We come into the presence of God. First Corinthians 11 and verse 18. In the first place I hear that when you come together as a church there are divisions among you and to some extent I believe it. Come together. When we come together we come together to the Mount Zion. The city of the living God. And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26 you read recently what shall we say brothers when you come together everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction a revelation a tongue interpretation all of these must be done for the strengthening of the church when we come together. When we come together to worship we come by faith to this Mount Zion. What a privilege is ours in Jesus Christ. Let's praise the Lord. Yes, we come together to Mount Zion. Number two, we come together to innumerable angels. Millions and millions of holy elect angels who delight in worship and service of God. Angels, we are told that when one sinner repents, angels in heaven rejoices in the presence of God. Turn with me to Psalm 103 and verse 20. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding. Who obeys his word. Angels were there on Mount Sinai. And we read that in chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews and verse 2 for if the message spoken by angels was binding angels were there on Mount Sinai but they were separated from the sinful Israel now the angels and saints are united in worship of God we have come to angels like Gabriel and Michael these angels are not superior to us. We may think so. But we are told in verse 14 of chapter 1. They are our servants. I believe in the ministry of angels to me. And to you. And to every believer. They are here today. In our worship service. And if you don't believe it. Turn to First Corinthians chapter 11. And verse 10. For this reason and because of the angels. The woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. Angels. But we do not worship angels. We worship God. Together with them. 
So the book of Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, 10. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, the angel, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. In Revelation chapter 1, chapter 5, verse 11 we read. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures, and the elders in a loud voice sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Worship is not self-adulation. Worship is not entertainment. Worship is worshiping God to you. They are gathered together in great joy to celebrate the great festival. So we are worshiping God with them. Not in gloom and misery and depression and confusion. But we join angels and archangels in great joy to worship God to you. Third, we have come to the church of the firstborn ones registered in heaven. We have come to the church of the firstborn ones. We have come, in other words, to all the redeemed of the Lord whose names are recorded in the book of life. From all eternity. And the Greek tells us these names are recorded permanently. They cannot be erased. What does that tell you? We are totally secure, sir. Firstborn. Jesus Christ is the firstborn. The most excellent one. That's what firstborn means. He is the firstborn, chapter 1 verse 6 tells us. He is the firstborn among many brothers, St. Paul tells us, Romans 8 verse 29. He is the firstborn of every creature. He is the firstborn from the dead, we are told. Israel is called God's firstborn, Exodus 4.22. So we are also firstborn ones with rights. And besides, we are brothers of Jesus. We are born again, born of the Spirit, born from above. And this Jesus, the firstborn, is heir. And chapter 1, verse 2 says, He is the heir of all things. And so we are joint heirs with Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are rich, we are loaded. Paul says he became poor that we might become rich. Who cares for the world's silver and gold and fame? God is our portion. And unlike Esau, we do not despise our firstborn rights. We value spiritual blessings. And our names are written in heaven, in the Lamb's book of life. 
And when we come to worship, we come to the church of the firstborn ones, all of them. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And listen to this, verse 2, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy together with all those everywhere who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. We are not just 1,000 people here, 500 people there, 20 people there. We worship together with all who worship everywhere in this world and with those who are in heaven. A vast multitude of people, our brothers and sisters who call upon the name of the Lord in spirit and in truth, with all whose names are in the book of life. Daniel spoke about it, Daniel 12 verse 1, but let's turn to the statement of Jesus, Luke chapter 10 and verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits, that is demons, submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. My name is there. Your name is there. Let's praise Permanently written. And he who wrote shall not erase it. And we have rights as God's adopted sons. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3. Yes, and I ask loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended all at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. In Philippians 3.20, we are told our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Let's raise it. And so we read about this book of life. Revelation 3.5, 13.8, 17.8, 20, 12, and 15, 21, verse 27. Revelation 21, 27, nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Number four, we have come in the Greek text to the judge, God of all. God is the judge of all. This means there is only one living God. He is the judge of all. This God is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This means all those who do not believe in Jesus Christ worship a false God. We don't believe in multiculturalism. We don't, sir. It's a lie. There's only one true and living God and you cannot come to that God without Jesus Christ. And he's going to shake one of these days. Shake you out of all the bushes. Drive you out, smoke you out of all rationalism. And he will judge you. All those who do not believe in Jesus Christ worship a false God. We have come to this God by faith. This God is the judge of all peoples of the world, living and dead. 
And Abraham understood. He called this God righteous church. Peter says the same. 1 Peter 2.23. Paul says the same. 2 Timothy 4.8. He judges righteously. But thanks be to God. When he judges us. He shall not condemn us. He shall justify us. Because we are even now justified. Romans 5.1. Having been justified by faith. That is faith in Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Romans 8.1. Therefore there is now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sins and our guilt. And our punishment imputed to him. And their righteousness imputed to us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews 10 and verse 10. And by that will we have been made holy. Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And verse 14, because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. But he shall judge all who refuse to come to him by faith. For without faith it is impossible to please God. Our God is the judge of all. He judges and condemns also all false believers. Let me read to you from Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. In chapter 10... Verse 30 and 31. And it says, For we know him who said it is mine to offend, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Chapter 12, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Number five, we have come to the spirits of just men made perfect. We have come to these. When we come to worship by faith, we are coming to all who died in faith in the Messiah. All saints who lived and died in faith. You have an understanding of what's happening when we worship. We are joining with them and with angels in worship of the true and living God. So we are coming to Abraham, Paul, Luther, Calvin, and my mother, and my father, when we come to worship. Paul says to depart is to be with Christ. He said to depart is to go home. And in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, we read this. 
Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Right, blessed, happy are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. They are righteous, sir. Why? They believed. They believed in the Messiah. So chapter 10 verse 38, by my righteous one, but my righteous one will live by faith. And at death God perfected them. They are now without sin. They entered into rest. No more pain and sorrow. And they wait in God's presence. Their bodily resurrection. Don't weep for them. They rejoice in God's presence. As they worship God together with us. They sing God's praises together with us. Worthy is the Lamb. And we come to Jesus, number six. When we come to worship by the Spirit, we come to Jesus who is seated on the right hand of the throne of God, having accomplished our redemption on the cross. His name is Jesus. He speaks about his humanity, for he shall save his people from their sins. The writer puts emphasis upon Jesus and his blood. Mount Sinai terrified us. For we did not have a sinless mediator. Moses was terrified. He said I am full of fear and trembling. No such fear is warranted on Mount Zion. We have a mediator. Hallelujah. We have a mediator. He is a fit mediator. A sinless son of God. Chapter 7. Verse 26, such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above heavens. Though he was son, he learned obedience by what he suffered and once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. He tasted death for us all. He is our mediator. He is our atonement. He is our older brother. He, we come to him. He knows us. And we know him. He is the sympathizing high priest. He is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is the mediator of the better covenant, new covenant, eternal covenant. That made us new creatures. Gave us new relationship with God. And forgave our sins. All of it. Having cast them into the bottom of God's ocean of forgetfulness. It is this Jesus on the basis of his death and resurrection calls us sinners. Come to him and rest. And finally number seven. We have come to the blood of sprinkling that speaks a better word than that of Abel. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Let's say it together. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But the question is, whose blood? Whose blood? Chapter 10, verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. 
And verse 4. Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Chapter 10 verse 11. 11. Day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. We need blood. But whose blood? So read chapter 9 verse 14. It says... How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Whose blood sir? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. The book of Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, verse 7. And it says. What this blood of Jesus. Does for us. In him we have redemption. Through his blood. Ephesians 2 and verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus. You once were far away. Have been brought near. Near to Mount Zion. Through the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Whose blood? The blood of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Mount Sinai terrifies us. It says do not come here. You are sinners. Wrath of God is upon you. But thank God. We have another mountain. Mount Zion. The city of the living God. Heavenly Jerusalem. Where there is Jesus. And his blood that speaks grace. Forgiveness. Not retribution. Dying Stephen saw heaven opened and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He calls us to come. Come. And live forever. Come and rejoice. Come and rest. Your sin problem has been solved on Calvary's cross. You are forgiven. You are justified forever. Come and commune with God. (laughs) You wonder why is it pastor is happy. Well, I'm happy because God brought me not to Mount Sinai, but Mount Zion through Jesus Christ. He shed his blood for me. He took my sin and my guilt, my death. I live by grace. I deserve death. He gave me heaven. I deserve death. He gave me life. I deserved hell. He gave me heaven. He says, come Matthew. Come let us fellowship. Hallelujah. And I join angels. Angels. Church of the firstborn. Spirits of just men made perfect. And I join you and all the people on this earth. Who are calling upon the name of the Lord. And we sing. We praise. And we worship. Hallelujah. We serve him. We worship him. In godly fear and awe. I'm not here to entertain myself. I am here. To fall down. Before the presence of God. Casting down my crown. And cry out. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. To receive glory and power and strength and might. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us. 
not to turn our back on Jesus, to go back to the world. There is nothing there in the world that is not sh- shakable. There is nothing. Help us, O oh Lord, to dwell in your presence with everlasting joy. Lord, we pray for those who never trusted in you. Have mercy upon them. Smoke them out of all bushes. Grant them repentance and faith that they may trust in Jesus Christ and join with us to worship the true and living God. By the might of the Spirit of God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of part one of this message entitled Acceptable Worship and a Dreadful Warning. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.